Today's scripture comes from Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and reported, and Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Verses 20 through 25. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. And lest the priest who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord will break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come bring Aaron up with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. And, the gods, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the, Lord, the word of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, you are our God. You have planned this even before time. You have provided a redeemer in your mysterious wisdom and knowledge. And Lord, we have been invited into your family through Christ. And yet, we too, like Israel, can forget your loss. We forget you. Lord, remind us why uh, you want us to follow your word. Remind us why you set us apart for your purposes. Remind us that we can be and are your people in Jesus Christ and that the world is also invited to this incredible covenant with you. Lord, at this time, would you speak clearly and powerfully? Would you receive all the glory and help us understand as we journey through the Ten Commandments? We pray these things in your most holy name. Amen. So, we are going to go through the Ten Commandments in the next uh, few weeks. And the first thing someone should ask is, why are we going through the Ten Commandments? Why would we go through that? Don't we just know them? Um, G.K. Chesterton was a 20th century author, and I, his quote 
is, if men will not be governed by the Ten Commandments, they shall be governed by the Ten Thousand Commandments. What does that mean? He's saying, if God has given us the Ten Commandments, but if we forget the Ten Commandments, neglect them, it takes a thousand commandments to substitute what God has provided already in these simple ten. These ten commandments provide the structure for society to live, and it brings balance and keeps us in check. But today, people don't emphasize the Ten Commandments as much. There was a survey done, and children knew more about beer, music, and you know, rock and roll than the Ten Commandments. Um, survey was done in 2018, and they were asking people, you know, how important is the Ten Commandments to you? So all the Christians said all of them are like, you know, 99% important. Do not murder, do not steal, 99%. You know, thou shalt have no other God. Christians were saying, you know, 95%, 94 But the average American, this was shocking. For the average American, they believe do not murder, do not commit adultery. These were important. But when it came to the first four commandments, all having to do with God, no other gods before me, do not make idols and worship them, do not use the Lord's name in vain, and remember the Sabbath. These were ranging between 49% important to 63% important. In other words, it's a reflection that God has become less and less important in our society. It's a, it's a message to us that the, for the average American, we live in a world where God and the reality of his lordship over this world is less important. But human relationship still maintains that importance. So for Christians, we need to ask, is the, are the Ten Commandments important to you? And so that's why we're going to focus on, and I think one of the theories I have is it's not emphasized because either we misunderstand the Ten Commandments or we don't simply know the Ten Commandments. Uh, in youth group or in street, when I ask people randomly, hey, what are the Ten Commandments? Most people get about three or four. And so in the next 10 weeks, at least we'll be finished. By the time we're finished, we might all be able to know all 10. And so before we go into it, today is the why. Why, is the ten, why are the Ten Commandments important? And to answer that question, we need to go back to why God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel and Moses in Exodus 20. So it's helpful to know Exodus has 40 chapters. And Exodus is broken up into two parts. It's like the, if you're a Marvels fan, it's the Infinity War and the Endgame. It's like the sequel that works together to make one big film. Uh, the first part is chapter 1 through 18. That's the famous story that you all grew up with. Moses was born in, to a Jewish mother as she was enslaved to Egypt. All the baby boys were being killed. So Mo Moses' mother took baby Moses, put him in a basket, and drift him down the River Nile. And then the Pharaoh's daughter of all people, the Pharaoh, the one that wanted to kill this baby, his daughter picks up the baby, finds him, and raises him using Moses' own mother, who she didn't know was a connection. And so Moses grows up, he became an Egyptian nobleman, but he realized he was connected with the Jews. He killed somebody one day who was abusing his fellow Jew, ran away. He was a shepherd for 40 years, and then God spoke to him through a burning bush. And God said, I want you to go back and free my people. Moses goes back, and you all know what happened if you saw the Ten Commandments or, or Moses' story from one of the movies, that God sent ten plagues boils, gnats, frogs, darkness, blood to, water to blood, uh, death of livestock, all that, and then culminated in the death of the firstborn son. 
And so Pharaoh finally says, go, leave. And then it didn't end there. As Israel was leaving, finally, the Pharaoh hardened his heart, changed his mind, and went after them. And as Israel was trapped at the Red Sea, God told Moses to raise up his staff, and the, river, the sea parted, and they traveled, and Pharaoh's army were all killed. So that's part one. And that goes up to verse chapter 18 of Exodus. And chapter 19 that we read today, it shifts. And now Israel, as God's people, how will they live in this new freedom? And that's where we pick up. So in chapter 19, uh, it starts with this. On the third new moon, that means two months have passed. Third new moon came since Israel was freed from Egypt. And they are at the base of Mount Sinai. And so verse 3, it reads this. Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant... You shall be my treasured possession among all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Very important. We get here, and we'll unpack it, why God is giving Israel the Ten Commandments. And it's a little different than the way we will have received the Ten Commandments in 2021. So God begins this by saying a very important thing. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. The first thing God is establishing here before he gives the Ten Commandments is, I am the one who rescued you. Um, the ancient Hebrews, when they used that term, eagles' wings, eagles' wings, they saw the eagles as these mighty warriors. Eagles represented these majestic birds who are fierce, but they're also very nurturing. They don't abandon their young. They carry them to safety if there's danger. That's what eagles do. And so when God identifies himself, I bore you on eagles' wings, he's saying, I'm the one who is like your nurturer. I have rescued you. And not only did God rescue them, God has brought them to himself. So for 400 years, you have to remember, Israel couldn't worship God in Egypt. And that's all they wanted to do, let us worship God. And Pharaoh said no. Now God redeems them. Not only to free them from bondage, but to give them a relationship with God. God's basically saying, I delivered you, not Moses. Don't forget that. I'm the one who cared for you, and I am with you. I am God. So he's establishing before he gives rules of Ten Commandments, the relationship, the framework. And for Christians, this is massively important. God has rescued us from sin, from death, from his wrath. God has rescued us from eternal judgment. And we're like, phew, I'm going to go to heaven. No, that's actually just half of it. God rescued us on his eagle's wings through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we would be with God in eternity together. I say this to people. If you find heaven to be a place where it's just everything about you, you're going to find heaven to be very boring because it's everything about God. Conversely, if you love God and this is what Christianity is, that you recognize what a beautiful Savior and God he is, you're going to love heaven. So heaven is all around the glory of God. 
And that's why God is our treasure. And so Romans 6.22 echoes this. Paul says, but now that you have been set free from sin, there it is, and what? And have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. In Christianity, we have the same phenomena. God doesn't simply free us from bondage of sin and addictions and brokenness. He doesn't just simply make us whole. He makes us whole to bring us into his relationship. And this is why we call him Abba, Father. We call him the perfect Father. So God saves us. He becomes our treasure. So God says, Israel, I need you to understand, I am your Father. I am your God. He continues, therefore... If, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. This is where we say God is establishing his covenant. Now, covenant is very different from contract. Contract is, I pay George $100 to mow my lawn. If George doesn't mow my lawn, I don't pay him $100. The contract is void. If George mows a lawn and I don't pay him the 100 bucks. He'll never come back, or he could have me arrested or tell the authority. Contract gets broken if one side doesn't follow. Covenant is a little different. Covenant is a devotion to one another. It's an agreement to terms, and it's a little bit more nuanced. It's, it's a faithfulness devotion. We'll talk about that at the very end. So covenant is very different from a contract. And so here, God is saying conditions, but we know from the whole Bible that God is not making a black and white covenant contract or else Israel would have been abandoned probably the following week, and we'll tell you why. So God says this, obey my voice and keep my covenant, and I will be your God, and you will be my treasure people. A key characteristic of covenant is there's always a promise attached to it. Israel, you have the deal of the century. All you have to do to be my people is trust and obey God. That's it. You don't need to do anything harrowing. You don't need to do any amazing work. You just have to trust and obey God, and you will be my treasured people. This is what God is laying out in this covenant. And so the Ten Commandments were never given. I need you to hear this. They were never given to anybody in order to get right with God. But because we have been chosen by God, the Jews, they were invited to a covenant and given these laws to follow. So it's like that with Christians. These commandments don't get us right with God. So when people say, you know, he's going to go to heaven because he's a good person, you can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can't be good enough to get right with God. Even modern Christians, more and more, the percentage is showing, believes that good people ultimately go to heaven. You can't because sin can't be undone. And so this idea that God is giving them these commandments as a covenant, as an identifier that they are his people, that's the importance of the Ten Commandments. You are set apart amongst all the pagan nations when you follow these Ten Commandments that you are my people. By the way, all of you have a relationship. Just think of a relationship you have, marriage, roommate, friends, uh, boss, church. You, we all have relationships. Do you know, do you realize that we all have expectations? For example, if you are friends with somebody, but you, you, uh, you're two-faced, you stab them in the back, you gossip about them, you will have no friends for a, quickly. 
If you're a husband or a wife married and you still date other girls, you're on the app and chasing after other girls while you're married, your marriage probably may not last long. So it doesn't define it, but there's an expectation of life that we have in relationships to maintain this covenant. And some are hanging on by a string. So roommates, I had a roommate in college named Rory, and, and uh, he, was, he was a blonde, good-looking, awesome guy. I was like, this is a good roommate. One of the best things we did in the first week was we set up rules, dating rules. It was so easy for me because I had no girlfriend in freshman year. And then food rules, uh, hygiene rules, uh, like quiet hour rules, personal belonging. He had a CD player in 1992. I didn't know what a CD player was. He had one, and he let me play with it. He let me, like, play songs on it, and it was just amazing. This disc plays this amazing sound. And so we had rules, and I had possessions. He could use my typewriter, my word processor, but he had to put it back. Now, if we didn't abide by these rules, what would happen to us? It would get ugly. It would get messy. We might have to transfer out. Every relationship has these kind of general rules, because they are in relationship to one another. And God is establishing a relationship with Israel to move on in this new life as a new nation. We have expectation, relationship with God. He has an expectation of you and me, and it's still the Ten Commandments. Not to get right with God, but to live in this relationship, holy, set apart, not living as you feel and then saying, God, your grace will cover it all. No, God also calls you to live a holy life. And that's the Ten Commandments. So we delight in God's law because we love God. So Psalmist 119, 47, the psalmist writes, I delight in your commandments, which I love. Do you love the Ten Commandments? I'll tell you what. If you love God and you realize God has given us these rules, you love these rules because there, you trust God enough to give you rules that bless you, that bless this relationship with God and, and hold you in this covenant. So it kind of makes sense. Don't, would you delight in maintaining purity of marriage? Don't you delight in maintaining truthfulness to those you love instead of lying? Don't we delight in giving God worship rather than just doing whatever we want on weekends? And so we delight in following this when we delight in God. And so God gives us this. So let's keep going. Third in this section, God says, For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So God says, I saved you so you could be with me. I promise to be your God, and you will be my treasured people if you keep my commandments and stay my covenant. For you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It's hard to grasp this for us because we are very consumeristic, even the church today. Uh, we shop for churches. Does this church have everything I want? We, we, we make everything. The world tells you, you deserve happiness. You deserve ha to have it your way. This is the consumerism. This is the American individualism. As long as I'm happy, you know, I'm fine. I don't care if everyone else is miserable. What does God say here? God is saying, I am separating you as holy people who keep these commandments so that you will be a kingdom of priests for all nations. 
So this is a question we usually get. Why did God favor Israel amongst other nations? He did and he didn't. It was his strategy, strategy to redeem all the world by first starting with a select people of his own. Through them, as he promised Abraham 600 years ago, I will bless you and I will bless all people through you. And this is the covenant God is establishing now with Israel. God is separating Israel as a holy people so they could represent God to the world. Very similar today. For Christians, you are not just people who accepted Christ, said a prayer at a retreat, and now you're going to heaven. Jesus says to his disciples in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Send you where? To the nations. You and I were redeemed in this covenant and were called to live a holy life following the Ten Commandments because you and I are ambassadors of God, his royal priesthood to all the kingdoms of the world. So when they see us, they see God. And in a time when churches and Christianity may be viewed and skewed, I find that to be an opportunity. Let's shock the world by showing humility, grace. Let's shock the world by showing Christ-like love. And let's share the truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when Israel keeps this, uh, as my, one of my favorite pastors, Alistair Begg, says, the Ten Commandments become the pathway of freedom for truly free people. So this is us representing. But just use common sense. Let's think about this. If I live honoring my mother and father, what happens to society? Can't hurt. Definitely can improve. If I don't murder, and we'll find out what that is a little bit more. If I don't sleep around and commit adultery, if, if you know, the goal of my life is not how many swipes and girls and boys I could sleep with, it, it makes life a lot less complicated. It's, it's not a judgmental statement. This is a reality that we make life and society complicated. If we don't steal, if we don't lie, if we don't covet one another's belongings and are driven by ambition of owning things, it may make life a little simpler. And so these things are not just benefiting the world, but they do benefit us. And this is God's love. When we keep God as our king and our true and only God. Verse 7 and 8. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people together said, ready? All the people answered together and said, this is their answer. When Moses said, are you, are you hearing this? This is what God says to you. And they responded, I love this in verse 8. All the Lord has spoken, we will do. They said yes before realizing what God is really asking of them. And that's good and bad. It's good because they're saying, yes, you're our God. Rah, rah. You're our, we're fans of you, God. God doesn't want fans. He, he wants followers. God doesn't need you to be excited about him. He wants you to be devoted to him. And will you be devoted even when it doesn't feel like easy to be devoted? Because a few weeks later, in Exodus 32, Moses goes up on the mountain where God is giving them a lot of social justice laws, interpersonal laws, societal laws. And he's not coming down for a while. And you know what happened in chapter 32? Two words. The golden calf, those three words, golden calf. 
So when Moses didn't come down, the people went up to Aaron and said, yo, this fellow Moses ain't coming down. Can you make us a golden calf? And Aaron does. He collects all the gold, and they create a golden calf, and they dance, and they worship around it. And Aaron says, these are your gods. Within days, they violate the first two commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Do not make any idols, carved images of anything in heaven and earth, and bow down to them. And so here's what God's heart. What would you do? They already broke the covenant. Well, if you look at the whole Bible, in the short term, God does come and he does punish them. But if you look at the whole Bible, you see a God saying, I want to destroy these people, Moses, and I'm going to start new people with you. And Moses says, no, don't. Remember. Remember who you are. Remember the promises you made. And God says, okay. And you see a God wrestling because we can't keep God's covenant. So why are we still here? How, are we, how did we get to this point? Because covenant, unlike a contract, depends on the faithfulness of God, not the faithfulness of us. Because if it was a faithfulness of us, I think we would have had messed up this covenant a long time ago. But the whole point of the good news of Jesus Christ is God not only struggled, wrestled with his people, but through Israel, he brings about his son who was born to a virgin Mary, a son who has kept all the commandments perfectly. His name is Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17, I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill the law. He's the only one that kept the covenant with God. And that is why Jesus is the only one who could die for our sins and take God's wrath, take our sins onto him and kill it once and for all and rise again. The Ten Commandments point us to Jesus because you and I cannot maintain it. And so we depend on the grace of God every day. So Matthew 26, Jesus gives us a new covenant. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Because Israel couldn't keep the covenant, God maintained the covenant and God fulfills the covenant, not just for Israel, but for all world through his perfect son, Jesus. That is why there is no salvation in any other name but Jesus Christ. So why do we need to follow the commandments? In summary, it marks people who follow it as God's people. Christians, we're God's people. Let's follow the Ten Commandments, really. And so let's understand it in the next ten weeks. But Ten Commandments also point us to Jesus because when we realize we are not perfect, how can we stay in a covenant with God? We, are, we fail. Christ, he is faithful when we are not. And it reminds us of God's faithfulness and we honor God by obeying and honoring his word. So children, honor your mother and father. Why? Because God is calling you to glorify him. Love him. Don't use his name in vain. Honor this. Remember the Sabbath. And what are the things that you're making that you say is God? Let's abandon that for the true God. And so this is going to be an exciting next journey. 
And we hope you stay tuned for every week because we're going to unpack each one. And you'll be surprised that a lot of us, it is very hard. And this is why we need Christ. We need his mercy. And we need this grace to sustain us in this life. So let's go to the covenant. As Jesus prayed with his disciples in Matthew 26, he reminds us again, I am making this covenant with you because I want to be with you. I want you to be my people. I am not just giving you boring laws and rules that make your life boring when you see somebody else exciting. This is an enhancement. This is a pathway to freedom for free people. And in Jesus Christ, you and I are free. Hallelujah. And so we come to the table reminding ourselves of this incredible gift that God's given us. And so as we gather together, as you have your bread and juice ready, and those in here, if you have your cups ready, um, we will go into the words. And before we take it, let's pause and thank God for his covenant. Let's thank him for choosing us before we cho chose him. Let's thank God that it is by his victory and his perfection that we are redeemed, not by anything we have done. And the night our Lord Jesus was arrested, he gathered with his disciples and he took the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it saying, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup saying this, is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so whenever we take this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's saving grace as he went to the cross and rose again for us. We remind ourselves. We thank God for that. We renew our faith in that. And we look forward to his coming. And so would you take a moment right now in silence, Sometimes in worship, there's always noise and there's not a lot of stillness before God. Before we take this cup and, and eat this bread, we thank God for his mercies. We thank God for his whatever reason, his mercy, compassion to redeem us. And we remember that those of you who have not given your life to Christ, God is inviting you. Let's take a moment and renew our faith in the Lord.